Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, the award-winning Great Indoors is proud to come to the fabulous Las Vegas Convention Center, MWC 2022. Baby, let's make it amazing. Thank you for the last time, Mr. Sinatra. Yep, this is season five of TGI, and we're still here in Las Vegas as the GSMA's official podcast. I have been joined, well, this whole week by a multitude of guests from across the industry, and I'm also here with my entire team, including, of course, my producer and co-pilot, Larissa Yee. Now I cannot believe it, this is the 10th and final episode featuring some of the incredible conversations that we captured at North America's biggest telecoms and technology show. And in this season finale, well, this TGI in Las Vegas finale, I'll be speaking with some familiar faces to the show. Firstly, Michael Anderson, CEO of Expeto, who provides uh, us with an overview of some of the progress the company has made since we spoke to him in Los Angeles 12 months ago. I then chat with Steve Yapsuga. He's a partner and CEO at Capital Telecom, and he shares his perspectives on a variety of topics. And finally, to bring the curtain down on TGI MWC 22 Las Vegas, I speak with Ben Postuma, who's the head of product at Gen X Kelman, and he's also been on the show uh, before when we were in uh, Los Angeles. So today's big question on TGI is, in these times of uncertainty, how does innovation still thrive? So let's bring it home one last time, Las Vegas. One last time. So my first guest of the day here, day three, MWC 2022 in fabulous Las Vegas. And I'm joined by uh, a former guest of the show, uh, a friend of Amdocs and a, a, a friend of ours, Mr. Michael Anderson from Expedo. Michael, welcome. How you doing? I guess uh, maybe now I'm a recurring guest, right? <laughs> yeah, you're a recurring guest. You're a, a, a frequent flyer. There you, go, yeah, there you go. On the great indoors now. But Michael is the CEO of Expedo. Now, we met a year ago in Los Angeles. Uh, there was some great stuff that you guys were embarking on at that time. A lot has happened in the last 12 months. So how busy have you been? What's been going on? What's happening with the customers? And what are you seeing in the world at large? I can tell you that we have been extremely busy. And, you know, to kind of borrow an Amdocs uh, catchphrase, it really has been an amazing year. And when I say that is, is we, you know, Expedo basically enables private wireless networks for medium to large businesses really focused on mission critical applications. It's sold as a service. It's a software platform. Uh, we work with any RAN, but we, we also have native support for what we call public and private on the same platform. So what that means is, is that our customers that have 50 locations, 100 locations, some may have private networks, some may be using, you know, macro networks like from T-Mobile and Verizon and Vodafone, but we give them really a single virtual private mobile network that's bonded with their IT systems. So they have the agility, they have the control and the reach all managed from a single pane of glass. And I think that, um, you know, we've, we've been talking, you know, back to your question about private mobile networks and, you know, we tend to do it from, you know, kind of the vendor perspective. It's like, Hey, the network is the thing, the connectivity is the thing. 
But in the last year, really interacting with a lot of customers, and I'll talk about our projects, fundamentally what we're seeing is that the customer's perspective is that they want an enabling foundation or fabric that is connectivity, its compute, and the application layer. And quite frankly, um, they don't want to spend a lot of time talking about the how and the acronyms. They want that in place. They want it to work at a mission critical level so they can get going with applications like you know autonomous vehicles, robotics, sensors, things that are really going to make a difference in the business. And this past year, it's been all about outcomes for us and helping our customers and our partners to drive those outcomes. And it's really fun. It is really fun to see, you know, what's what's happening. And, you know, to uh, to see an autonomous vehicle with all these VLANs and, you know, driving down this big mine, that's something. But also some of the safety applications and, you know, seeing the fact that, you know, we're actually, you know, we're, we're saving lives with this technology. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's a couple of points there. That I've heard all week uh, that 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 you that you bring home there, Michael. Again, yeah, twelve months ago we talked about connectivity. Everybody was just talking about the the, the connectivity of of five G in particular, and all of those use cases, all of those things that we dreamt about, speculated about, prophesized about, they're coming to be now. Like you said, autonomous cars in particular. I remember mocking it. Said all I ever hear about is autonomous cars, but twelve months on, it's yeah, we're at that next stage from now. We've taken a step up from that connectivity, right? Yeah, and I mean, you, I mean, the U.S. government in particular, right? You know, we're seeing approvals, right, for level three autonomous driving, yeah. right? We're starting to instrument the cities and really, you know, the roads to take advantage of that. And, you know, just here at MWC, we, we had the Tesla hypertunnel. I'm not sure if you did. I bid, I went on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's just like, this is really, really yeah. neat. And it's such a, it's such a nice, I think, shot in the arm, to, you know, from an industry perspective that quite frankly, I think a decade ago was getting a little dull. But it's, you, you mentioned something else that I've heard prominently this week, and that's the focus now away from feeds and speeds and functions and features, but to outcomes. And, it, and it's outcomes that are not just solving business problems and driving uh, efficiency, but are actively helping to make the world a better place, right? So there's that element now. You can see this technology coming through and how it's impacting or, or improving society. You know, it's a little bit provocative, but you know, you go sit down in front of a you know a, a CIO, a CEO, somebody running a university, and you know, five G is is neat, like you said, speeds and feeds. But it's like, so what? Who cares? It's the outcomes, right? And to your point in this past year, I mean, as a community, we have a lot of projects that we've delivered, um, you know, universities, like you said, I mean, there's the halo car that you took a ride in today. There's, you know, I'm at a mine site with this, you know, massive multi-ton autonomous vehicle, you know, moving, you know, precious materials over a five kilometer, you know, type of span. And that's, that's great. I mean, the, uh, you know, we've done some interesting things, like I said, with, you know, utilities. One of the great things was they're actually putting these wildfire cameras out. Wow, right? Yeah, yeah. Connected to the network. And you talk about outcomes, you know, just this past summer, I mean, they, they have stopped fires in their tracks like 70 times, mm -hmm. right? And that's, you know, 
maybe 700 acres, who knows how many, 7,000 acres that didn't burn, you know, that, that didn't, you know, create smoke and didn't harm lives and burn houses. I mean, that, I mean, that's fun. It gets me up in the morning. No, and it, and it gets, it adds an extra dimension of interest into what we talk about every day. And I'll give you an example of yesterday and a conversation I had with a, a chap from Australia and from a IoT satcom company. His main use case was con- monitoring and controlling the livestock in Australia. And he said, I can save 7% of the livestock that perish. And he said, and in Australia, that's a lot of cows. <laughs> right. You look at these real life examples and then how that manifests itself back. And it's really incredible. Really incredible. Yeah. You know, you and I, um, you know, we've known each other a while and remember this, um, big, you know, smart agricultural project, right, that we did up north of Seattle. And we talk about the fact that food production has to double. And I think a lot of time we think about, okay, how are we going to grow more? But back to the livestock example with the cows, a lot of it is going to be by doing it better, right? And that's 7%, you know, that's a lot of extra food for the world. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And even here, another example just to share with you, because it's exactly on that topic. There's a company that do ambient IoT tags, and they can monitor all the food supply to Im- to ensure that food doesn't perish. So if they can prioritize that flow and that supply chain based on tracking, and these tags check the temperature, check the moisture. It's it's amazing. All of these things is is like you said. It's not doubling the food production. It's it's improving or, or diminishing the amount of food that you lose. Now, you gave a couple of examples there, Michael, of some of the stuff that you're working on, uh, in particular the uh, autonomous driving in the mines. Uh, but do you have some other examples that have come to be in the last 12 months that are really interesting? Yeah, you know, and, and I can go small as well. Um, we have a university project, back to the food perishing. Um, it, it, it is, you know, not uncommon for them to have outages with electricity. And... As you can imagine, a university is feeding a lot of people. You know, they will lose, you know, twenty upwards to fifty thousand dollars a month just, you know, basically not knowing the power was out, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And um, you know, ju- it, and it comes back to you know, I think the point that we as an industry really need to focus on, and that is, we have got to take all the complexity out of this stuff and be very empathetic to these enterprise customers that we're serving. The farmers, the universities, you know, the mining companies, the electricity companies, and put in a fabric that allows them to quickly, I'm going to put a sensor here. And it doesn't need to be an integration nightmare. You know, I could basically just point and click, you know, pre-populate what data sets I want, where I want them to go, you know, using AI, AI algorithms, et cetera, so they can really put these things to work. But, you know, back to that food example, that was like an hour of installing, you know, a few sensors in their main refrigerators. And now they know when power, you know, is out, they're kicking in those extra generators and saving money. And if they, you know, a university, they do that, you know, five times a year, that's real money. Yeah, yeah. Autonomous vehicle, you know, yes, no, that's really major. Um, the electric utility I mentioned, I talked about, but the, the other big piece of this is accelerating what I would say, you know, renewable energy is the main source of power for the communities. And by basically putting in the ability to instrument the grid 
you know, they're enabling, you know, first and foremost, a much quicker transition from dirty sources of generation to completely, you know, as they say, clean and green, but also putting in the ability to what we say to kind of shape and shave the load at the distribution grid so that there's no disruption to power, right? Because by definition, that renewable power is intermittent. So again, we're seeing all this stuff, you know, before our eyes. And I think that, you know, as, as a company, you know, a lot of times people are like, oh yeah, Expedite, you know, I've, I've heard of you guys. We haven't put, you know, money into marketing 5G or, or marketing private networks. We really had our heads down, innovating, really working with partners to drive these outcomes. And, you know, what a difference a year makes. You know, this whole show isn't about, you know, if we're going to do things, it's how we are doing them, how we're going to start repeating them and taking those to scale. Yeah. And, you know, that's where the dividends start paying off. And now, you know, I come back this year, it's like, oh, Expedo, you guys, you know, you're you're the leader in, in mining, you know, you're doing these electric utilities, you're doing all these mission critical projects. And you guys have been a part of those projects as well. Yeah, yeah. So together, you know, we're well, wow, some good. You know? Yeah. And, and that's where our mantra, make it amazing, comes to life now because we have this thing called amazing stories. And one of them is the food resiliency program in Snowmish County that, that you mentioned earlier, Michael, and we call it amazing apples. And we're doing a project in uh, South America, in, uh, in Chile with a, a mining company and it's like amazing mining and amazing cargo ships with the study we did at the T- Tacoma port. So it becomes fun from a marketing perspective when, like you said, you're marketing positive customer outcomes that everyone can understand and everybody's benefiting from rather than marketing, well, our next product is uh, R5243 compliance and such and such and such. You know what I mean? So it, th- there is that extra fun now, that extra energy, that extra pride in what you do. So what's next in the next 12 months? What do you think? We've seen this inflection point. We've seen a really great 12 months since we were uh, in Los Angeles. If When we meet here in 12 months' time back in Las Vegas, what do you think could happen? I think more. We're, we are leaning in with our partners and really trying to put our investment into success stories. Yes, we have some great success stories in mining, in energy, in campuses, but we're going to be striving for some great success stories in healthcare, in manufacturing that, you know, quite frankly, if I'm a CIO, if I'm a CEO of an enterprise, I don't want to go first, right? So we're, we're, we really want to create that proven catnip for guys to say, okay, I, I'm going to dive in this pool now because my friends are there, they're being successful, they're driving outcomes, you know, better, safer, more efficient automation, so more. Right now, we're still in an industry where we are, you know, we're, we're pushing, we're pushing into these areas because we need to demonstrate the value. But next year, I think there's going to be a lot of pull. I think those farms, those yeah. manufacturers, those mining companies, they're going to be calling us to say, I want some, I want some of that. Yeah. Give me some. But the, and, and the last point I'll close on, and you mentioned it there as well, Michael, that I've seen this week more than ever before is everybody now appreciates and understands the need for collaboration with partners. No one's doing anything unilaterally or on their own. And it's interesting to even see competitors 
collaborating to some degree, right? They'll compete again in the future, but that openness now, that ecosystem, that collaboration, it's pretty strong, right? It is. It is really strong because I think in essence, we know that, you know, to, to cross this new d divide successfully, that we do have to collaborate to create these outcomes to really drive adoption. Because if we don't, if we just think that people are going to get attracted and deploy technology for technology's sake, we're never going to recognize this wonderful opportunity. Yes, billions, perhaps trillions of dollars of opportunity, but really to fundamentally, you know, be that catalyst to change the world for good. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Great, great closing statement there, Michael. Now, listen, we're going to finish. This is something you haven't seen before. What we've done in the last 12 months on TG, uh, on the Great Indoors is a quick fire round called TGI to go. And this is basically five multiple choice questions. You give your preference and it just helps our listeners to get to understand your personality a little bit. And we, we finish off with a bit of fun. Are you ready? I'm ready. TGI to go. First question. Everybody's had this question this week. Frank Sinatra or Dean Martin? Frank Sinatra. Blackjack or slots? Blackjack. And uh, I'm sure you'll have, you'll stay in the weekend, so I'm sure there'll be plenty of time for blackjack. Blackjack, I think blackjack for the wife, me by the pool, reading. <laughs> Biking or swimming? Swimming. Yeah, well, you'll be at the pool this weekend, that's nice. Vancouver or Miami? Two very different cities. You know what? That run into Stanley Park is very wonderful, but man, that Cuban food and that Southern Ocean, I'm going to go Miami. Okay, nice, nice. Now, I don't know why I always get these questions around lunchtime, but they never help me. Lobster or pasta? I'm going to say uh, probably pastel. Yeah. Now, and, and your wife is coming in for this weekend. Are you going to have a chance to sample some culinary delights of Las Vegas? Yeah, I think I think uh, we will. But, you know, as you know, at MWC, there's been quite a few dinners and food. So I think that uh, we're probably going to focus more on activity, you know what I mean, than, than eating. But yeah. absolutely some light bites for sure. There you go. There you go. Well, Michael, it's been a pleasure to have you on The Great Indoors again. Great to see you. Great to speak to you. And we'll see you again very soon. See you in a year. Thanks so much. Cheers, mate. Cheers. My next guest on The Great Indoors today at MWC 2022 Las Vegas is Steve Yapsuga. Now, Steve is the partner and CEO of Capital Telecom Services. He also serves on a number of boards, including NetAs and many more. And he's going to tell us a little bit about what he's seeing in the market and, and at the show uh, here on day one. So, Steve, welcome to The Great Indoors. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Matthew. Appreciate it. I gave you a brief introduction there, but for the benefit of our listeners, just give some highlights of what you do, of, of what you're passionate about, and, and, and what you've seen so far at the show big advocate for infrastructure. And for the past 20 years or so, I've been heavily involved from the OEM side, manufacturing, distribution, engineering, and technical. Currently serve on board for the Northeast DAS and Small Cell Association called NEDAS. Longtime board member for the Maryland DC Wireless Association, part of the Wireless Infrastructure Association. What's really interesting that my takeaways have been there's that uncertainty and uncertainty with the economy uncertainty with the marketplace and certainly with the tech companies that are out there today. A lot of the movement with the chipsets and that whole stranglehold of, of movement has really exacerbated quite a bit for projects and whatnot. 
But at the same point in time, there's a lot of opportunity. I'm more of an optimist. And I think that my takeaway from today is going forward where you're talking about technology, how other technologies are helping lift the tide for all the boats. And one of those is electrical and power systems. I find this to be pretty exciting because it was just announced by President Biden's infrastructure, the law that is now providing $5 billion to help states install EV chargers along interstate highways. And this is part of the NEVI, which is the National Electrical Vehicle Infrastructure Formula Program. And what this is doing is the funding is going to be $1.5 billion, and it's going to cover an estimated 75,000 miles of highway across the country. But this funding is part of the infrastructure plan to help support for $5 billion over the next five years. What does that mean to us? I think what's interesting is that this means opportunity for the electrification of EV. We have to look at it not from the mundane side of, okay, there's going to be more charging stations so we can go from Maryland to Maine a little bit easier, but really it's more about creating a smarter network. And the smarter network, the grant money and the monies that are being pushed into these areas now, now you can have a fleet. Now you can uh, upgrade a school bus into a high technology vehicle that can automate and have IoT connected to it. So you made two points. So your notion here is that the investment coming from Biden on the highways, what was it again? 75? It's 75,000 miles of highway across the country. Yeah. So what's happening right now is I think the argument for EV is what this should be doing is raising our antenna so that we're more focused on helping develop better infrastructure with the power systems. And we have to look at smarter grids. So the, the propulsion of electric vehicle adoption through this kind of investment will then cascade down into the adoption and proliferation of other technology. Absolutely. Because back in 2015, when this all came about and then Alphabet joined on board and there was another $350 million that added to that contest because there were seven finalists and Columbus, Ohio was the winner, but everybody really was winners, you know, back like, you know, your, your kids of these days, you know, everybody gets a trophy, but they truly get a trophy because now if you go back to the 77 cities, you know, many years later, now they're pushing more fiber. Now they're pushing a lot more of that. But the problem at the time was that we didn't have, you know, 5G moving about and we were just on 4G, you know, with looking at 5G networks, now you can realize monetization, monetization for vehicle to infrastructure. Now you can look at monetization of being able to capture those rates within a network within electrified vehicles and stations. You can do biometrics, you can do face recognition, and there's money to be made, not just being altruistic because there's other ways to being able to help generate more jobs, new opportunities. That's a big plus. Also, you mentioned there that you had a sense or a feeling of a lot of uncertainty. Where do you see that manifest <laughs> Well. Part of it is the conundrum of not enough people out in the workforce today. I mean, my company, what we're doing is we are doing everything we can to bring in great people and we're hiring like mad. It's tough finding people because there's just not enough of that workforce. And yeah, this is something that we you know talk about a lot. And I know, yeah, there's great programs out there through the Wireless Infrastructure Association, through TIRAP, and there's other organizations, uh, nonprofit organizations that are helping push apprenticeships and, and things like that through Nate and others that are doing a fine job. But I think all of us can kind of look at that to say, how do we create a better farm system? How do we create 
a better way to be able to get somebody who's green, who has the aptitude and willingness to learn, just like all of us. In this industry, ask anybody who's been in this industry more than five years, who's had middle or upper management, how did you get to where you are? Everybody's got a different story. But it's it's also fascinating where we talked about what 5G can enable, and it's been speculated and prophesized for many years, particularly in shows like this, and everybody always says autonomous cars, sure. autonomous cars, IoT, autonomous cars, when the reality a year ago was that 5G was really still about connectivity, rural connectivity, bridging the digital divide, and elements of private enterprise network. But I think it's fair to say now that the dreams, as it were, the big, exciting, sexy use cases like autonomous, sure. they're coming to reality now. Right. You look at the, the old CSI TV shows where people feel that that type of technology is there, you know, right in an instant. Once marketing talks about 5G, that they look at their phone and they expect that 5G is there. Well, in actuality, 4G took seven years and 3G took roughly about the same amount of time. And it's you know, we're still at the infancy. We still have about another five or so years to go. I mean, there's tremendous push. And if you heard and some of the speakers earlier today, you know, I think with looking at DISH, AT&T and, and their push, I mean, there's a huge push for that entire network for 5G. They're very aggressive. They're doing an outstanding job, but there's still a lot, a lot ahead. There's a lot of road ahead, so to speak. But back to the monetization, I think that if we're looking at some of the other peripheral technologies, rather than Yes, there is vehicle to infrastructure and vehicle to vehicle. That's coming out and you can see that with the software updates with companies like Tesla. Tesla is doing an amazing job. We talked about this before the show went on that Elon is innovating like his rocket ships. And rather than buying another rocket and you know doing a private label, he's starting it from scratch and he's finding more efficiencies. And that's the same thing with his his power systems. He's creating it, you know, by scratch. That's almost kind of how we have to look at it because this demand, this growing demand for the power system grid, the old grids, they don't have enough. And so we have to build upon that. When we talk about use cases as one thing, we, we touched upon this before, there's an ecosystem or, or there's a plethora of technologies that themselves coalesce around 5G. There's a symbiotic relationship between all of them. Sure, sure. And that fundamentally changes previous iterations of the Gs, what needs to go to get these things out into the, into the world. Very much so. Because before, I think it was a little bit more siloed. You know, you could find that middle market or the, the middle technologies that would operate on its own auspices, you know, such as video surveillance. You look at CCTV that migrated into IP surveillance and using software as a solution and using biometrics and object left behind and being able to track and, and help manage that. Then new software technologies were able to adapt into that with wireless networks. So Ultimately, you look at the same thing with, with technologies like public safety. Public safety was looked at as just a simple alarm, but now we're looking at IP technology and how that's integrated properly and how that is going to synthesize with helping with monitoring, monitoring services with fire alarm services. And how does that play into commercial operator grade uh, distributed antenna systems with the carriers? Because that, that goes hand in hand too. So there's a lot of play there that I think folks have to just be sensitive to. And let's do a bit of future gazing now. Let's look at the tea leaves. Because 12 months on from when I met many of these people that I've met today, the world again looks very different. 
So that all aside, any geopolitics or supply chain issues, what would be your prediction, Steve, for 12 months from now? Well, I can tell you outside of the political realm itself, I'm really bullish on the EV market. I'm really bullish on, on the opportunity ahead. You know, you follow the money and you follow the trend. And when you're looking at all this grant money that's being pushed and the opportunity that those have the capability of being able to move in and help create these networks and the intelligence behind it and the opportunity of creating that intelligence behind it, there's a lot of upside. The other side is um, you, know, you look at, at some of the uh, light license networks. Uh, there's a lot of talk uh, from, from DISH, for example, between the 12.2 to 12.7 megahertz, the old core satellite TV station signaling. Yeah, there's a lot of this this middle area if you're looking at the lower mid-band between 3, 7, and 4 gigahertz. And this is something that has really got to be addressed. Internationally, the, the middle bands are really hot. They're really pushing it. But in the US, that's really a constraint right now. And that needs to be addressed so that there's more opportunity. And we're starting to run out of it. So long-term, yes. Short-term, yeah, you see just more infrastructure growth overall. And that's where technology comes in. You've got certainly a lot of smart folks out there that can create new opportunity hanging off the edge, but you have to be able to offer that pipe or the, the speed in the space. And if you look at 2021 alone, had just as much traffic data that in the usage from tw then 2010 to 2020. So if you think about that, that's massive. Yeah. And it still continues to just blow away, you know, as far as its growth and sure, it's incredible. Sure. Now you mentioned something there, you're very bullish on EV, right? And I've had this discussion a couple of times that, what about autonomous? I think the company that, that shining North Star right now is Tesla with what they're doing with the technology, the more use that they have, the more intelligent they become. So. Back in, I think, 2015, somebody in Australia hit a deer when they were in Australia. And that technology from that day understood, or is actually a kangaroo, sorry. There's a kangaroo. They identified it, and then they put it in the software so that the next time they would understand that there would be a kangaroo in that area. So that has never happened before. So if I'm going home the next morning when I get to my, when I go into my Tesla and I, and I turn it on, I'm getting a software update. We've never had that before. And those software updates are based upon the intelligence of other drivers. So yes, you can certainly argue with me, you know, to your blue in the face saying that, you know, autonomous vehicle driving or the unassisted driving is not there yet. Okay. But it's getting leaps and bounds better. And we're, we're starting to really turn the corner for sure. No, it's, and it's interesting because tomorrow I'm meeting, I'm actually going to the office. It's here in Las Vegas of a company called Halo Car. And they partner with T-Mobile on their 5G network. Sure. And we're going to go for a They're the first autonomous taxis. In, uh, in the area, right? Yeah. Yeah. Here in Las Vegas, this is where they got the, the first license in the United States. So we're going to go and give it a go. Sure. I'm going to get in one. Think about the sample study. So back in, in Pittsburgh, the University of Pittsburgh did a study where they had drivers for Google. They would have individual drivers having to drive all around Pittsburgh. And sure, they've, they've collected a lot of great data, but... What if you have the masses, every single driver, you know, that has a EV vehicle that's being able to pull that data for you? It's invaluable. It's incredible. It's incredible. Right. We're almost out of time, but what we do is we finish with uh, what we call our uh, TGI to go. TGI to go. So uh, question number one. 
And I think you'll know where this one comes from. Frank Sinatra or Dean Martin? Sinatra. Yeah, he was here early. And it's amazing how many people I've, I've asked that today and told them that Frank Sinatra, they're like, the real Frank Sinatra. Yeah. And I'm he, like, yeah, it's amazing what he was great. can do. He was great. Um, Boston or San Francisco? Boston fans aren't going to be happy about this, but San Fran. Blackjack or slot? Blackjack. Easy. That was an easy question. And have you done any blackjack since you've been here? I did very little. I'm going to do more tonight. Okay. Good luck. Good luck. Thank you. Thank you. Kayaking or hiking? Hiking. Yeah. And this is going to help us determine what we have for dinner tonight. Lobster or steak? Oh, steak. Yeah. Yeah. All right. If I was in if I was in a another location, I'd go with lobster. If I was in Boston, I'd go lobster. Of course. Of course. Thank you very much, Steve, for the conversation. If there was something you'd want to impart on our listeners as your final comments, as a prediction, an observation, or something profound you'd like to leave our listeners with, what would that be? I think healthy arguments are great. And I think in society today, I think we walk away from it too much. And, you know, I, I'm, I'm in the old adage of the analog and digital divide where people could sit down and have a beer or a cocktail and have a healthy debate. And I think we miss that. And I think, you know, with Mobile World Congress, it kind of brings that back again. So it's, yeah. it's good to see that. Absolutely. Great. Well, pleasure. Thank Absolutely. you so much, Steve. Absolutely. Thank pleasure. Thank you. Okay, so my next guest here on the Great Indoors MWC 2022 Las Vegas is uh, a, a former guest, uh, one already of the Great Indoors uh, alumni. It's the head of product at Gen XCon, Ben Pasuma. Hi, Matt. Thanks for having me again. No, thanks for coming back. Always good to see a familiar face. It's always fun to do these. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't feel like 12 months ago, does it? My God, it does not. I know. I feel like we were just in Los Angeles uh, yeah. not too long ago, and, and I recall Los Angeles was particularly interesting because that was the first show that all of us had come back. Yeah. Um, exactly. and it, it was not so widely attended, but it was kind of good to get back out there and, and figure out the whole routine again, and mm. now we're back in full swing. We had a pretty decent showing at Barcelona, um, and we've just been heads down cranking out our product for the last six, nine months or so, and a lot of changes since the last uh, time we talked. Well, then maybe we'll start there. So if you could just give us, a, a, our listeners, a refresh on uh, on Gen XCOM and your role, and, and indeed, like you said, what's happened since we spoke last. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Um, so at GXC, uh, formerly known as Gen XCOM, uh, we've done a little bit of rebranding, kind of looking towards that you know next generation of uh, networking and, and services. At GXC, what we're doing is we're delivering private 5G cellular networks for enterprises. Um, it is an end-to-end -end solution. Our first commercial product was launched several months ago. It's called GXC Onyx, and it is an end-to-end -end platform that encompasses everything from the RAN with our proprietary mesh technology so that we can connect um, RAN nodes or access points without wires um, back and, and providing this relatively large-scale, very dynamic uh, RAN itself ties back to our core. Uh, which we have a lot of technology built on top of to orchestrate the RAN and to do a lot of other um, very private network-specific activities. Um, it's all managed by a, a what we think is a, is a very, very intuitive um, and very elegant network management platform called uh, the Onyx Portal. Um, it's, a, it's a web UI that you can go in and manage the entire network end-to-end and do all your deployments. But what's unique about that is that everything is included in that portal. Everything from the RAN connections and configurations to the health and status, to the core health and status, to your mesh network, and even things as far as um, SIM management and authentication and and uh, QoS priorities and 
policies, uh, SaaS registration. It's all done through our Onyx portal, uh, which is a really interesting one-stop place for all of your network management. It builds from there in that the whole thing is driven by a relatively complex API library so that if we, when we go to larger players or MSPs or other groups like that, we intend for them not to necessarily use our UI, but to be able to tie it into their own NOC or SOC or whatever else using our API set. So we want people to take control of this full network. Our intent is to license this off and, and again, just kind of let people run with it and, and do what they want to do with it. Right. Wow. And, and that's a recent launch, if you will. It's recent. It is. It was launched in June. Yeah. Um, the service that comes with it is called Onyx Connect. Um, and it's a monthly subscription fee. You basically yeah. one fee per month and you've got the whole network for as short or as long as you want it, basically. Now, I remember if, when we turned back to 12 months ago, um, I remember meeting Sam Path, who's now the CEO of Verizon Business in Los Angeles. Okay. We talked about 5G. And he said, for me right now, 5G is three things. He said, rural connectivity, fixed wireless access, and enterprise, private enterprise networks. Right? That was a year ago. Lots of talk about private enterprise networks this year. The 5G networks are rolling out all over the US with the, with the C-band rollouts with Verizon um, and AT&T. So what's the demand? Are you seeing a big demand now in the enterprise domain for these private networks? We absolutely are. It's widely recognized across a lot of the enterprises that we've talked to. Um, there's been a lot of literature put out in the last 12 months even uh, where enterprises are, are fundamentally recognizing certainly those ones who want to move towards automation um, and, and more of a digital transformation they're very much recognizing that their current network infrastructure is just not cutting it. It may be fine to connect laptops and corporate offices. It may even be fine for some warehouse applications or some other enterprise applications. But at the end of the day, when a company wants to scale up and really focus on automation and really focus on digital transformation and really building in these, these very elegant workflows, they need a better network. And a better network means reliable connectivity. It means connecting devices and having them stay connected. It means mobility from inside to outside to back inside, so covering the entire campus. Yeah. Um, and it allows us the single network operation where we can control and we can segment the network to give different priorities and policies to different user groups. And so there's, there's just a lot we can do. And so it's private networks in general are really being looked at right now almost universally in those certain types of industries as kind of the next way forward. Uh, one thing, though, that's kind of interesting that you mentioned, um, there has been a really big, mainly marketing-driven effort to talk about 5G. Everyone wants to talk about 5G. We've been talking about 5G use cases for a long time. Yeah. Um, they've emerged and they've kind of come up. But at the end of the day, everybody keeps asking me, when are we going to deliver 5G? When are we going to get 5G? When are we going to get this? And the problem is, technologists like to find solutions to problems. We like to be kind of prescriptive to say, oh, well, you've got a problem. Let me give you a network. Let me give you 5G. Let me give you private cellular, whatever it is. Sometimes we fail to look at what problems we're actually solving. If an enterprise comes to me and says, hey, I can't connect my robots. They keep losing connection and, and I've got to go send people out there now to go retrieve them. And it's very, very inefficient. My solution is not 5G. My solution is let's figure out how to connect these devices to do the actual use case. And maybe 5G is a solution. Maybe LTE is a solution. Maybe Wi-Fi is a solution. It doesn't really matter at the end of the day. We want to solve a use case rather than applying a technology to a problem. You know, one of the things is what we're seeing is the, the technologies themselves that get a lot of the attention, like the Bluetooth, the yeah. IoT, the, the 5G, the edge compute, all these things that we love to talk about and we love to invest in. Yeah. We, we have a habit of, of kind of becoming very, very really attached to these ideas. 
And we say, well, we got this thing now in our toolkit. Let's go solve problems with this thing, this tool that we have. And we're not listening to what are we actually solving. And so it's almost become a very big distraction for us. And as a product, as a product manager, it's, it's very much distraction from the roadmap. And the roadmap is solving use cases, solving problems. If I get focused too much on, oh, I got to have a 5G solution. I've got to have a this solution. I've got to have a this solution. Then, then we're losing a lot of ability to actually focus on what matters. And so, so at GXC, we, we are offering LTE solutions. We're offering 5G solutions. We've got ORAN solutions. We've got, we've got all of it in the lab. We've got all of it as products. We've got all of it available, but we're not talking about private 5G necessarily. We're not talking about private LTE. We're just talking about private networks and what we can do with that and leaving it as vague as that to open up those creative channels to think, okay, what can we use now? you know, without being too distracted by the names. No, and, and I'm going to steal this from a, an analyst I spoke with earlier, Matt Hatton. He said, everything is traditionally supply-side driven. Right. We'll build it, and then we'll figure out what we're going to do. Right. Rather than demand-side driven. What's the problem I need to fix? And then build the technology to match the problem. Right. And he, he gave me a really good example of the metaverse. Where he said, the metaverse is the first concept that's actually demand driven. We know what it looks like. We know what it can give. Now we've got to build or harness and utilize the infrastructure to make it a reality, as opposed to the other way around. Let's build it, and may- maybe they'll come once we build it, isn't it? Absolutely. The metaverse is a really interesting use case, and it's, it's really going to be, you know, probably the next big thing that we're all talking about. We already are. Right. You know, we, we've done a lot of conversations about the metaverse, and it's really an interesting thing to focus on. But, but again, 5G alone is not going to give us the metaverse. Yeah. Private networks are not going to give us the metaverse. It's going to be all of us, all the technologists, everybody working together to look at what are we trying to do with this? What are we trying to solve with this? And now let's kind of work backwards, figure out how to do it, and then deliver a solution. I, I don't think in my 20 years in this industry where I've witnessed 2G to 3G to 4G, et cetera, I don't think I've witnessed the demand, and the demand's the wrong word, the willingness for collaboration across the ecosystem. No one company can do, like you said, on its own. It's not going to happen. There needs to be an ecosystem. There needs to be a collaboration. And, and I think there was always a time where certain companies thought they could do the whole thing themselves and and that would prevent innovation it would slow things down and it would give a terrible customer experience but do you get a sense for that now and a real collaborative ethos in in the industry i i absolutely think that that is is what we need you know you assemble a team of very very bright technologists and very very you know forward-thinking people and we break apart you know all the all this giant ecosystem uh, of things that we can build and, and no one thing is terribly difficult. You know, there, there's not necessarily this one thing that we just can't solve this one thing. It's just the, the problem is that there's so much out there that it would be, especially for the smaller companies, it'd be very, very difficult to try and do it all. So collaboration is absolutely key. I think that as certainly within a private uh, network companies like my, like ours um, yeah. and some other ones, for the last 12 months, we've been kind of trying to get our own products out the door and kind of trying to develop our own strategies. But but now, especially even at this show, I've had a lot of conversations with, quote, competitors. Um, and we're talking about collaboration. We're saying, hey, you know what? Now that the dust is kind of settled and we know what our architectures look like, yours look like this and mine looks like this. And and our value is in, in this particular area. Your value is in this particular area. 
let's just bring these things together because at the end of the day, there's this common denominator of all these commoditized systems and technologies that at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter where we go with it as long as we're, we're trying to figure out, well, you've got your special thing, I've got my special thing, let's work together and build this network. Yeah, and you know, the best example from my perspective, and I totally agree with that point, and I think it's a great point, uh, and I was actually thinking to Larissa about it before, is we have companies that want to come on the, the podcast and, you know, the first thing is, well, we can't bring them on. It's, this is an Amdocs podcast and they're a competitor. <laughs> I was like, well, but we're not competing in this environment. No. We're sharing ideas. We're talking about what they, what they perceive. So that notion of, I can't speak to that person anymore, or we shouldn't speak to them because become, uh, because they're a competitor. Precisely in your example, that kind of goes out the window. Let's chat. What do you see? How do we clock it? What, what, what are you learning? And that's a really interesting development. There, there's been a lot of really interesting things. The, the 5G lab um, has been doing a lot of great things to really facilitate this collaboration. They are directly focused on use cases, and, and Jim and Scott and the leadership there are, are doing a really great job of, of looking for where are these application companies and how can we take these applications, use everybody else that we have to be able to provide the infrastructure to support these. But at the end of the day, what we're doing is we're developing applications for the future of technology and yeah. future of enterprises. They're doing a great job kind of pulling together this, this non-contentious sort of everybody's working together. We're all in this to, to build this really great thing. There's some other groups doing that too. Um, Linux Foundation is doing some really great things with the 5G Super Blueprint. Right. We're very involved with that. And again, there, there's a lot of companies involved with that that you look across the board and you're like, you know, we might be competitors here, but but it's not that at all. It's We recognize that the, the potential and the addressable market for private networks and, and what we can do in general is so big that... The only way we're going to penetrate this is, is by working together, finding solutions that actually make sense rather than kind of going out this, you know, unilaterally with each company. Exactly. So. I couldn't agree more. It's a great point. And I'm glad we touched on that. TGI to go. So this is TGI to go. Are you ready for it? Let's do it. Okay. Here we go. So question number one, Dean Martin or Frank Sinatra? Both? I've, I've got to say that, that that one might be a little bit lost on me. Um, right. But obviously being in Vegas, it's everywhere um, the history. And so, you know, obviously what those two guys have done and kind of, it's, it's, it's kind of a, it's legendary around here. And so you kind of feel that. And so I, I can't pick one in the fight. Look, we'll stick around until three o'clock because one of them's turning up. <laughs> Seriously. The next question I have is Barcelona or Amsterdam? Amsterdam. Because of your... Dutch heritage? Because of my Dutch heritage, I've never actually, I've, I've traveled to Europe countless times. I've never actually had the opportunity to go to the Netherlands. Um, I've never been to Amsterdam. And so one of these times, it's just, I've always thought, you know, one of these trips I take over, I'm just going to take a, a weekend and just go visit, just kind of maybe go see where my heritage is from and all that. But I've done a lot of time in Barcelona. I love Barcelona, but let's see something new. My choice would be Amsterdam as well, by the way, my choice. Again, we're in, we're in Las Vegas, David Copperfield or David Blaine. That's got to be David Copperfield. Yeah. Have you been to any shows since you've been here? Uh, not this week, no. No? Are you planning to or anything? Um, no, but we're having an, we're hosting an event um, tonight, actually, um, at the Paris Hotel where we're showcasing our network. We're going to have our mesh network up. We're actually bringing in a, magis a magician in some, you know, true Vegas style, of course, yeah. right? Uh, but it's going to be a fun event where we brought in a lot of technology partners. We, brought, we have our, like I said, we have our full product up and running. Uh, we're going to be, you know, doing live demos and, and things of that nature. So it should be a lot of fun. The Venetian or the Cosmopolitan? Cosmopolitan. 
Um, the Cosmopolitan is just a little bit more modern. The Venetians, you know, of course, you know, very elegant and, and very luxurious, but I tend more towards the modern. Yeah, okay. And the final question on our TGI to go here, <laughs> blackjack or roulette? All blackjack. Yeah. And have you partaken in blackjack so far this week? Not this week. Um, I have played a little bit. Um, blackjack for me, there's a little bit, it feels like there's a little bit more control. It's not as random. It still is, I guess, but <laughs> it feels like I have a little bit more control of it, and I kind of like that. <laughs> well, thank you very much, Ben. Well, thank you, Matt. Always happy to be on. So there we have it. There we are. We're done. Las Vegas complete. What a great week. What a wonderful, uh, a wonderful 10 episodes. I've enjoyed every single one of them. I, I, I want to give a big shout out, a big thank you to all our amazing guests that joined us uh, here in uh, Las Vegas. It's been totally amazing. There's no other word for it. So stay tuned for more and also check out amdocs.com forward slash the great indoors for more information back episodes and videos associated with tgi now from next week we'll be in sao paulo brazil where we have some incredible guests lined up for our first uh our first amount of of, of south american uh, podcasts what an event but for now i'm matthew roberts in Las Vegas for Amdocs. I'll see you next time from Sao Paulo, wherever you are.